everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, the founder of the nonprofit, The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something not through no fault of our own or through our own making. We keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources, so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. Wherever you are in this world today, it is a beautiful day in South Florida, a beautiful day in paradise, and I love to say that and tease my friends from Canada it is a sunny, sunny day in South Florida, and I'm so excited to be here. Today is an incredible day for me. Last week, I had my youngest guest. Today, I have the most guests, and there's so much information, and I, my mind is just exploding because this is a topic that I had never heard about until a few months ago, and it is very important. So if you have men in your life that are listening, that want to listen, that need to listen to the show... Get them online right now or get them, I mean, get them on our show right now or listen to this replay because this show could save their life. And I'm going to jump right in. I have five guests with me today and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to bring them all in, but they've done this together before and they know how to, how to move from one to the other. But I am going to introduce my guests, Ron Rappaport, Brett Miller, Michael Singer, John Falk, and Patricia Wasp. Washburn. Is everybody there? Yes, we are. Yes. We're here. Okay, thank you guys for being here. It's an incredible honor for me to have you here. I want to thank my friend Ron Rappaport. Ron was here, and I just noticed that I probably spelled his name wrong, but Ron, you and I spoke on your show. I was a guest on your show, and after that was over, we just started yakking about stuff, and you mentioned that you had been a survivor of breast cancer, male breast cancer. I'd never heard of that. I was so glad that you brought that up. So, Ron, since you were my first contact, how did you get involved in this whole topic? And then we're going to talk about what it is and how it's affected the other guests. Well, uh, I got involved uh, in 2019. I... uh, in, tw- in late 2018, I had noticed that my left nipple uh, began retracting somewhat, and no- nothing really terrible. Uh, I had had a nasty fall that year. I wound up in the hospital. I broke some ribs, so that whole area was kind of messed up, and I hit, I hit that area with a car door a few times. So I didn't think anything of it, but uh, toward the end of 2018, around Christmas time, I showed it to my wife. And I said, hey, this isn't getting any better. As a matter of fact, it's probably getting a little worse. And she looked at it and she said, oh, you're going in for a mammogram. So I went, I went to the doctor and uh, 
he, uh, and he told me to go get a mammogram, and, and I did. And they couldn't, they couldn't tell for sure, so they, told, they did an ultrasound, and then they, uh, they told me to come back in a, in a day or so, and they, they did a, a biopsy. And then I got the phone call uh, from the doctor, uh, preliminary reports that it was breast cancer. And, you know, breast cancer just wasn't on my radar. I, I was in the medical field. Uh, I was I was in pharmacy, but you know it just I don't know it just it just never occurred, and and I kind of had an inkling that it, that you know after doing the research, and then I made a uh, I, I did you know the Google searches and all that, and I came upon the Male Breast Cancer Coalition because I had nobody to talk to. There's there's it's not like women where it's one in eight women get breast cancer. Ours is one in 833, so mm-hmm. it's 1% of all the breast cancer patients. So you feel like you're out there alone, and then you're going, oh, God, breast cancer and all that. So I called, uh, I emailed the Male Breast Cancer Coalition, you know, was one of those forums, and I figured out I'll probably never hear from them. And uh, <clears throat> Peggy Miller in Kansas City, uh, one of the founders, uh, called me up, like, right away, and she said, you know, welcome to the family you thought you never had. And we love you, and we're here for you, and you are not alone. And she sent me a care package with a recovery shirt, et cetera. But that's that's how I got involved. And there is a story how I got involved in my advocacy work, but we can go into that later. I'll let the others talk. Okay, so Peggy Miller is Brett's mom. Is that Am I correct, Brett? Yeah. yeah. yeah okay, so correct. Brett, let's move on to you since you are the founder of the breast male breast cancer of oh, Tell me what it is. The Male Breast Cancer oh. Coalition. Male Breast Cancer Coalition. Everybody Google that, you know, after the show. Male Breast Cancer Coalition. Brett, welcome. And you're coming to us from Kansas City? You are correct, yes. Thanks is that for having me. So, Brett, um, tell us your story, because you're the youngest of our guests. Yes, yeah, so um, I was 17, um, and I was just kind of, as I am right now, sitting in my uh, chair, just kind of watching TV and I kind of did a stretch back um, and, and scratch across my chest and I found this lump right below my right nipple. Um, I was just going into my senior year of high school and um, I had gone to two different doctors that year during my senior year, one at the beginning to get a physical to play football and then one at the end of the year to get uh, remaining shots I needed for college. And both doctors had said uh, that it, you know, it was calcium buildup, it was um, you know, pu- you're going through puberty. It's it's nothing to worry about. It'll, it'll dissipate and go away over time. Um, so fast forward seven years later, didn't really, you know, kind of had that in the back of my mind. Didn't really think of anything of it. Still had the lump. Um, both my parents uh, urged me to go get a uh, physical because it had been some time um, since I'd had it. And I finally had health insurance through my job for about a year, year and a half. But I just hadn't had anything to <laughs> make me think that I was sick. I didn't have any other symptoms, you know, besides this lump um, that I knew about that could be considered breast cancer. So I went to go get a physical. Um, The doctor kind of checked me out, said everything was great, Um, said he'd get back to me within the week with the blood blood test just to make sure everything's fine. But as he sees it, everything's great. I had to stop him before he was out the uh, door um, and ask him to check this lump that I've had for, you know, seven plus years under my right nipple. And this, and he was almost leaving the door. 
leaving the office and he kind of turned right back around, walked right over, kind of looked, you know, looked, felt it and everything and immediately set me up to go get an uh, ultrasound. Um, I was, uh, so I think I got an ultrasound within a couple of days, not knowing I was walking into the women's clinic. I was greeted by name. Um, and, you know, so I did the ultrasound um, and the doctor that was in there, a uh, female doctor, uh, kind of came in to double check to make sure the scan was right and does like a triple check on the monitor myself and then just goes, you know what, let's, uh, it's just right down the hall, let's go do a mammogram just in case um, and make sure that, uh, you know, we cover all bases and we, you'll have to come back in, take more time off work to get, uh, to get these scans. Um, it ultimately ended up being the uh, better scan because that was a surgeon. We did a uh, lumpectomy essentially and I got a call the next day saying that it was uh, breast cancer. He had not fully read the report, but he would read it and get back to me in three to five days. Um, needless to say, I told my parents, reluctantly told my mom, um, but uh, we were in the doctor's office the next day uh, getting, you know, understanding the results and, and getting what his, his opinion was and actually asking for a second opinion. Um, I ended up having a single mastectomy. Um, I was scheduled for a double one, but they ended up changing it kind of last minute to a single and four rounds of chemotherapy. And I was on uh, a Rimidex for uh, uh, five years. And now I am uh, breast cancer free. Um, in 2014, myself and Sherry Ambrose, my co-founder, um, with the help of my mom, Peggy Miller, being the uh, director, uh, founded the Male Breast Cancer Coalition in an effort to make sure that no man feels alone ever again when they hear the words, you have breast cancer, like I felt, and many men before. Um, so our mission is to, you know, build the awareness for men that we can get breast cancer. Um, although rare, um, it's still possible, and you just need to be your own best advocate and know your body. Um, do your bre monthly breast self-exams, um, and if you feel a lump, say something, go to the doctor. Um, if they say, you know, say, oh, it's nothing, don't worry about it, and you don't feel comfortable, go get a second opinion, third opinion, fourth, however it is, until you feel comfortable in the, in the diagnosis that you think that it might be. Thank you for what you're doing. It is so important. I am a, a sister of three brothers, a mother of three sons, a couple of grandsons. Uh, this is so important. And like you said, the embarrassment of it, and that, I'm going to move on. Thank you for that. Let's move over to uh, Michael Singer. Michael's coming to us from New York. And the one word I have here beside Michael's name was, Michael, you felt embarrassed. So, Michael, can you tell us your story and, and what's happened with you here? Sure. Uh, good morning, everybody. So I was um, retiring from federal government, and I had to kind of do a physical before I left, you know, with the changing of insurance companies. And prior to going to the doctor, I felt the lump under my left nipple for couple of months and I was ignoring it uh, just felt like a small pencil eraser size lump and when I went for the physical um, the doctor did all the usual stuff in a physical um, but I had this lump and I'm sitting in the doctor's office but I was embarrassed to tell the doctor that I had this lump under my nipple and asked him to check it I left the doctor's office believe it or not went home and my wife said, well, what did the doctor say about the lump on your nipple? And I said, I, 
I didn't say anything to him because I was embarrassed about it because guys don't usually talk about their nipples or their breasts. And my wife used a few choice expletives saying, you know, you're an asshole. You've got to tell the doctor about this lump. So with that, the doctor's office called back and said, Dad, we see something in Michael's blood. We want him to come in. We want to run more tests. I go back to the doctor's office the following day, and uh, I'm in the office, and the doctor said, Michael, we see, um, looks like you could be uh, pre-diabetic. We want to run some more blood work. And um, I, I somehow mustered up the courage while I was there. I said, Doc, while I'm here, I have this lump under my nipple. And he looked at me, and he came over right away because he knew my family history, and I had an older sister who died two years earlier from metastatic breast cancer. So when I, to- when I told him about the lump, he, he kind of really jumped into action. He checked it out. He goes, well, we're going to send you for a biopsy real quick. So um, he set up uh, an appointment with a, a surgeon, and they attempted to do a needle biopsy unsuccessfully. couldn't get any fluid out, but he definitely felt something there. And he says, well, we're going to have to do a surgical biopsy. And uh, I was scheduled for that uh, three days later. And... Uh, I walked into the hospital for a uh, pre-surgical biopsy as a 50-year-old healthy male, and, uh, you know, I didn't know it at the time until I went back for the, for the reading, but I left his office as a 50-year-old male breast cancer patient at that point in time. And to tell you the truth, I had never heard of men getting breast cancer, and when I was sitting in the office and he told me I had breast cancer, I looked at my wife and I said, he must have my sister's file in his hand. I, I can't have breast cancer. I'm a man. And he said, no, Mr. Singer, men, men do get breast cancer. And my um, journey started from that day on because I thought I was alone. I thought I was a freak. Um, I asked my wife not to tell anybody um, that I had breast cancer. And shortly after that appointment, they performed a mastectomy on my left breast and uh, I kind of lived in the closet, so to speak, for the following um, two years because I was embarrassed about it. I still had never met a man with breast cancer. There was nothing on the Internet, really, about uh, men with breast cancer. None of the large cancer organizations had any information there. And you go through it like, what's wrong with me? As uh, Ron Rappaport mentioned, you know, we're one in 833 um, but it sucks to be that one um, mm. out of the 2,650 guys who are annually diagnosed, which is a number from the American Cancer Society. I never met any of these guys. I don't know where they are. I don't know if they're in hiding. And uh, it was definitely a feeling of, of uh, loneliness and just uh, that what's wrong with me. And it wasn't until uh, a couple of years later I was watching the TV show called The Katie Couric Show, it's a New York syndication, and who's on this show but this young man named Brett Miller, a really cool African-American dude named Richard Roundtree, who, for me growing up, was an action hero in a, in a movie called Shaft. And they had an oncologist from Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City. His name was Clifford Huddis. And here they are on national TV talking about male breast cancer. And I'm sitting in my living room, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not alone. Look at these guys on national TV. Brett was a young, healthy-looking guy, and, and uh, Richard Roundtree is this cool dude. And I, 
I just started running around the living room of my house yelling to my wife, look at this, look at this, I'm not alone. Look at these, there are other guys out there like me. And that started uh, the conversation with the Male Breast Cancer Coalition because when they ran the credits, it, they mentioned, you know, the Male Breast Cancer Coalition. I called up right away. And as uh, you mentioned earlier, someone picked the phone up immediately. And who was it? Peggy Miller, Brett's mom. And uh, she was warm. She was gracious. Um, she told me about Brett. She told me about the coalition. And ever since then, um, I went from embarrassed to em empowered and from silent to outspoken. And I've been advocating um, with the Male Breast Cancer Coalition ever since. And uh, if it wasn't for, you know, Brett and Sherry founding that, I don't know where I would have been back then because... Um, you know, it's still hard to find guys, but, but they're starting to uh, appear. And uh, it's nice to know that you're not alone and that there are other people dealing with um, this disease like uh, I am. And, and that's how it all started. Thank you for your story because, you know, sometimes we don't want to be part of the club. And unfortunately, there are a lot of clubs out there, and, and so many of us that have been through certain things hide ourselves and, and are so so embarrassed by things and we're going to get into that in a little bit but I want to bring John Falk on. John's coming to us from Chicago. John are you there? Yes. Hi. Hey welcome. Can you tell us your story John? Yes. Um, well my story is different from one aspect uh, because of my personality and the way I see things. Uh, I respect everybody else's story but mine went totally differently. So in 2013, I noticed that my left breast was swelled. And I knew something was wrong. So I went to my doctor, and he examined me. And he referred me to a specialist, a surgeon who specialized in breast cancer. So I went to his office, and he said to me, why did your doctor send you to me? And I explained how my left breast had swelled and it was, you know, about twice as large as the right and something was not right. So he had me remove my shirt and he was examining me. And halfway through, he stopped and said, it's breast tissue. Men have breast tissue. And I thought to myself, well, okay. So I said to him, I understand, doctor, but look at this. With my shirt off, I said, look at my left side. Something's not right and so he said well I'll guess I'll have to order tests like I was interrupting his day but he did and I had a biopsy and a mammogram and it came back negative so a year later in 2014 I felt a lump so I went right back to the doctor I got another surgeon they did a biopsy and a mammogram, and it came back positive for male breast cancer. <clears throat> and so I wanted to tell everybody. I had a surgery set up. I called uh, my sergeant because I worked in corrections. I said, Sergeant, I'm going to be off work for up to two weeks. I'm having surgery. I have male breast cancer. I want you to tell everybody because I didn't want anyone to worry and so I had my surgery it went very well 
I caught it very early. And they got it all. My lymph nodes were fine. I had no other complications. And I thought, why isn't anyone talking about male breast cancer? Then two years later, the lump, I, I had another lump. I felt another lump. Went back in. Again, I caught it early, but it was invasive. So I kind of feel like I woke up one morning and there was another lump. And I went in and I just, I caught it, like appeared overnight. So I caught it early a second time, but I take tamoxifen and I had 30 radiation treatments. And that really set me on a path to talk about it. And it was in the month of October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And the pink organizations are not talking about us. And I just, you know, I said, I'll start a male breast cancer survivor group and it'll be me, myself, and I. So that's when I found the Male Breast Cancer Coalition on Facebook. And the same thing, you know, I contacted them. They wrote my story. And here in my area of Chicago, I would get post-it notes that I stamped with men get breast cancer, and I would stick them on the door at Target, anywhere out in public. If I was in the grocery store, if you have a pink ribbon, I'm going to tell you. I would just tell strangers, hey, did you know that uh, men get breast cancer? I got a tattoo on my arm. And if I see people with tattoos, hey, that's a cool tattoo. Look at mine. And I would start a conversation. So that's what I've done. I had my story written up by Brett, uh, Men's Health Online, uh, Channel 9, WGN-TV in Chicago. And I feel very fortunate. But I knew right away I'm going to talk about it. Uh, it doesn't make me a better cancer patient that I wasn't embarrassed and that I wanted to shout it from the rooftops because we all have dealt with it in different ways. Everybody reacts to things in their life differently. And it, what's wonderful for me to hear is that in spite of what happened to you guys, you've all come together. And for me, it's it's mm -hmm. like, you have somebody that you're sitting beside and you can hold their hand because you know that they've been through the same thing and that gives you courage, that gives you strength, and that gives you a cause. And thank you know, I love mothers and thank you for Peggy for, you know, being the mom and, and your wives for being the ones to kick you guys in the butt. Uh, to get it, you know, get that double check to start speaking up about it and doing that kind of stuff because I know my, my late husband passed away of a heart attack, but he never talked about any of his illnesses and, you know, diabetes or that kind of stuff. And I knew there was something going on and I didn't want to push because I just felt like, you know what, I'm not going to nag. I'm not going to nag. But in this case, I'm glad the girls nagged because it, it was a problem. And I'm going to bring in my nagging mom, <laughs> my nagging wife, uh, who is my actually a sweet guest, um, Pat Washburn's going to come on. Pat and I talked the other day, and I was like, gosh, Pat, we could go on for hours because I love her story. And, you know, unfortunately, we were in the Widows Club, and 
that's not a good club either and it's not a club that I ever wanted to be in and I'm sure Pat you didn't want to be in that either but can you tell me how you got there you bet thank you for letting us share our stories this morning Debbie so my husband um, he was an educator for 41 years I always considered him a very smart man and if if he said something wasn't true I usually believed him um, however in 2014 Marlon's daughter my husband's name is Marlon and his daughter was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2014 and I told him at the time I said you know your dad um, your dad had lung cancer your daughter has breast cancer you've been a smoker all your life you probably need to keep close tabs on yourself and his response to me was well it's not like I ever need to worry about breast cancer and you know I honestly I don't think I'd ever thought about it before but when he said he didn't need to worry about it okay evidently men don't get it because I am like so many of the men that you've already heard um, I had not heard of it before Marlon had definitely not heard of it before and the summer of 2016 he was having a lot of pain in his arm and his shoulder Marlon was a diabetic and um, he finally went to the doctor he went to a different doctor uh, in November of 2016 uh, to have his blood sugars checked and just to try to get set up with a new doctor that was on a Monday morning and on Tuesday morning we got a telephone call that his alkaline phosphatase was elevated which meant absolutely nothing to me and the doctor said that he wanted him to come in and have an ultrasound done and the ultrasound led to an MRI and that led to a, a, a PET CT scan and then to a bone survey and a mammogram and long story short he ended up um, having stage four metastatic breast cancer by the time he was he was actually diagnosed we did not know anything was wrong with him he had not been acting funny um, as it turns out he probably had a short temper with me that he had never had before but I didn't put two and two together that that was an, an issue um, other than we were finally learning to live together again we had because of our jobs we had been apart for nine years and um, he was teaching in Nebraska and I had my job over in Iowa and so um, we were finally starting to get used to living together again I assumed that was his reason for his irritability as it turns out it was the, the the breast cancer and the pain that he had in his arm that he had been dealing with for several months the the cancer had metastasized from his breast into his liver his lungs his lymph nodes his bones and he had eight tumors in his brain so you know we got started on on the chemo the radiation um, like the majority of the people that have have spoken this morning um, we didn't have anybody else to reach out to didn't know that there was there was a, a group out there I also um, you know had searched online and I for some reason did not come up with the male breast cancer coalition um, I had not found anybody else that that had ever dealt with 
you know, breast cancer in men. So um, because Marlon's cancer was uh, so far advanced, um, I only had him for five months from the time of diagnosis until he took his last breath. He was diagnosed at Christmas time, and he passed away at the end of May. And before he had passed away, um, he wanted to get a personalized license plate. He did want to educate other people. Being an educator for 41 years, he, he knew how important it was to educate people. And so he, we got a personalized license plate for him. It was a breast cancer plate. And it just simply said, men with a number two, men two. And after he passed away, um, I decided, what can I do? I need to step up to the plate now. Marlon is no longer our educator in the family. And so I needed to step up to the plate. And so I took the last car that he ever bought. It was a 2014 Dodge Dart. And um, I took it down to a company here in Omaha that put a wrap on it. And on the side of the car, in pink letters, the, you know, all of the guys have mentioned pink. And on the side of the car, in pink letters, it says, breast cancer does not discriminate. And underneath of it in blue, it says, men too. And then I went around, and I also had a, a likeness of him. It was a picture that we took um, at Christmas time. And that a picture of him is on the hood of the car. So that would have been at the time he was being diagnosed, just five months before he died. And then I went around to the different communities that Marlon had taught in during his 41-year career. And the majority of, of them either let me get on television with my car, or they would do a newspaper article on me, um, and we could share the story about men getting breast cancer. And um, one of the stories here in uh, Nebraska actually got picked up by the AP. And lo and behold, Peggy Miller, the director of the Male Breast Cancer Coalition, uh, saw it. And uh, she and Sherry Ambrose, the co-founder, uh, discussed the situation and said, give this woman a call and find out what the story is. And so Peggy called me. She told me about her son, Brett, and told me about the Male Breast Cancer Coalition, and that is how I have gotten involved with the Male Breast Cancer Coalition. And you're all over the place. And I, when you and I are talking, uh, this quick story I wanted to tell uh, about being pulled over by a state trooper. <laughs> I was driving across South Carolina, and I was on the interstate. Traffic was backed up. I was in the passing lane. I kept going around people. I get to the front of the pack, and there was a state trooper. Well, he was not driving the speed limit, so I went around him. And um, I get about 10 or 15 miles up the road, and he is still in my rearview mirror. And uh, my telephone rings. And I know in the state of Georgia you cannot be on the telephone when you're driving and so i i so i signaled over there was an ent uh, an exit ramp coming up i signaled over i pulled off and lo and behold the state trooper pulled off behind me and so i turned on my signal that i was going to turn one way or the other 
and he chirped his siren at me. And so I pulled over, and um, he pulled up beside me, uh, uh, a young, young black trooper, and he pulled up beside me. I had my window rolled down. He greeted both of us in there. And um, after he greeted us, he leaned down right beside me, and he said, I need to ask you, what are the signs of male breast cancer? I was driving the Marlin Mobile. And as I described it earlier, he had seen it, and he wanted to know what the signs were. So I told him the four signs that I usually tell the men, and I'm sure that we'll, we'll be chatting about that later in this conversation. But I went through all four of them with him, and I, he just kind of hung his head. And I said, are you concerned about something? And he said, yes, I have something going on with one of my nipples. So at that point, I asked permission to get out of my car, and I went to the trunk, and I got all of the brochures. I've got brochures on Brett. Um, I've got uh, brochures that I made up on Marlon. Uh, we stood back there, and we talked for quite a while, and I, I asked him to please go in and get checked, to please uh, you know, be in touch with me if you find that there's anything going on. So I can, I can help you out by putting you in touch with the Male Breast Cancer Coalition. Um, I have never heard from him, so I'm hoping that that meant that he did go in and get checked and that everything was fine. But anyway, I got pulled over strictly because of the car and the message on it. And this, this man was only 33 years old. I asked how old he was. And um, so, of course, I, anytime I talk to a young guy, I tell him Brett's story that he found his lump when he was actually only 17, but then was misdiagnosed for seven years. And um, so hopefully everything is fine with this young man. Uh, but that is my story about getting pulled over by a state trooper. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, so, yeah, you, this is a good segue into the signs. And, Brett, I, I would like for you to, to address this, please. What are the signs that men should be looking for or their partners could be looking for? lump um and then on on top of that um one thing that i had for about a year and a half or two years and i didn't really say much about it but i wish i um would have because it probably could have been diagnosed earlier is a discharge from the nipple Uh, when i when that was happening to me i was just thinking it was more so the calcium buildup that was dissipating uh redness around the uh someone's got a baby in the house that's that's my little do- that's my daughter Riley. Oh, so, thanks for bringing her to work. I apologize. I'm apologize about that. But um, no, redness uh, around the area, dimpling, um, you know, rash. It, there, there's multiple different things, but some of your bigger ones for men are going to be a, a lump or discharge from the nipple. Yeah, uh, it's important out there. There's a common thread going on uh, out there. Uh, I I didn't have any pain at all, and a lot of guys don't have pain and the main takeaway of this thing is uh, check your breasts every month and at at the malebreastcancercoalition.org the website we have a downloadable uh, a downloadable card to tell you what the symptoms are and how to check your breasts and we also have videos that Brett's made some really good videos on how to do it and the main takeaway is uh, know your family history because uh, 
there's a good chance that uh, one of five men with male breast cancer have a close relative, male or female, uh, with the disease. And we always want to tell our uh, our black and brown community and our Ashkenazi Jewish community that uh, they have a one in 40 uh, chance of carrying the BRCA1 or 2 gene mutation, which raises the risk from 1% in men to 6%. So uh, that that's something uh, men need to know. But but the main takeaway is, whatever feels abnormal, get it checked out. You and and don't be soft. don't be embarrassed yeah. about it, right? Don't be embarrassed about it. No, yeah, that would be my don't. main takeaway: is don't be embarrassed about it because <clears throat> it could save your life. Um, you know, in Brett's case, he was bringing it to the attention of the doctors, and they were kind of writing him off as a uh, young impubescent and other men like john said the other doctors like well why are you bothering me you're a guy there's nothing there um <laughs> you have to you have to be your own best advocate as uh, brett said in the past and speak up because um you know this this is something as as you know ron's telling you all of the warning signs to look for is to to bring that to the doctor's attention because it's usually not part of a physical for a man. They check your prostate, they'll check your heart, they'll check mm-hmm. your lungs, they'll check your eyes, they'll look in your ears, but they huh? usually will not, um, you know, check your breasts. They might check the lymph nodes up in your neck, and that's as far as they go. Um, and we would hope that in the future that this just becomes part of a routine physical exam. So speaking of that, when you guys walk into the breast cancer, breast cancer centers, for instance, uh, and I, you know, you're putting on that pink gown, how are you being treated by the, the folks there, uh, the workers there? Are they looking at you like when you walk in that, well, you're the spouse of one of the women that are coming in, or h- how does that work? Yeah, uh, I, I can take that for a second. Uh, okay. You, you finally learn, uh, we call ourselves a blue dot in a sea of pink. And my first experience was going into the big cancer imaging center. And here I am, the only guy. I've got a white armband that they gave me, and I took an elevator upstairs. And they called my name out. And uh, I got up and went up to the desk. And she goes, no, I need your wife. And I, and I showed her my armband. She goes, oh, I guess we'll have to, we'll have to get you a separate room. So... You know, uh, that was my that was my first introduction uh, to it. But uh, you had asked me uh, how I got involved advocating, and I just wanted to tell a quick story. I had to have some dental work done before my surgery. I had a I had a left mess, uh, my left chest was was removed mastectomy, and they told me, "Hey, you have to get your dental work done before we do the surgery." So I had to get a uh, a crown put in. I called the dentist's office. I told them I was having cancer surgery because at that point in time I was somewhat embarrassed like Michael was and a lot of other guys. I just, it just you know, didn't want to go around talking about breast cancer. And uh, they called me up. They said, uh, we've got your crown. Can you come in? Because it was the day before the surgery. So I came in. They sat me down in the chair. The technician said to me, I understand you're having cancer surgery tomorrow. And I said, yes. And uh, she said, what kind, of, what kind of cancer? And I said, breast cancer. And she started just laughing profusely, <gasps> like, it, like I was joking. She never heard of it you know, and thought it was a big joke. And she said, well, yeah, you're joking, right? And I said, no. <laughs> and you should have seen her face. But that's when a light bulb went off in my head. 
And I said, you know what? Guys shouldn't have to put up with that. And when, when if I get through this okay, because at that stage I didn't know if I was stage one or stage two or whatever, or three, uh, I said I'm going to advocate for the Male Breast Cancer Coalition. Well, fortunately, uh, I caught it early in stage one, and I, I didn't have to have chemo. My story here is a stand-up and speak-up show. It's about people that have been through things and how you can hit rock bottom and then come back up. So did anybody have a why me moment or a why not me moment in, the, in this? And if you had that dark moment, what got you up and out to become an advocate the way you guys have been? Well, I can start that off. Uh, it, it, was, it, it, it was that story I told you about uh, getting, getting laughed at. And then uh, I put the shirt on that, that they gave me. Uh, it, it says men have breasts too. And, and, and I, I was in line getting food or whatever, and somebody came up to me and said, is that a joke? <laughs> and, I, and I had to lift my shirt up. And I said, no. Nope. That's not a joke. And then they, and then we had a conversation. And they said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know." But you know, I, I it was a teachable moment. So, well, sure. as far as the why me moment, uh, again, it doesn't make me a better person. It really doesn't. But I was never afraid when I was diagnosed and had the lump. Uh, I never cried. My wife was going to cry when she told me about it, but I said, you know what? It's going to be all right. I'm sure I caught it early. And I didn't will it away, but I was so certain that I caught it early. And it it kind of left me with this question of why we don't talk about it and wanting to shout from the rooftops. Uh, you know, I feel like my uh, journey... Let's use that word. Uh, and I'm five years in remission. Uh, I w- I'm the most fortunate person on earth. It left me with uh, a desire to talk about it, uh, educate about it. Um, so that's pretty much uh, where I am, being able to support others, talk about it. Uh, you know, all these people that are on the panel today, uh, Debbie are incredible people. Uh, we know we have a a really tall mountain to climb, but you know we're not giving up, and we're we're, yeah. we're going to keep pushing. We're just going to keep pushing. And uh, I just want to say that some of the goals that I'm working for is is to reduce that sexual stereotyping uh, of 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 it as a male as a female disease. Yeah. We need to be. We need to degender the language, and uh, we need to advocate for more funds for research. And we also need to advocate for a screening program for men uh, with a hereditary disposition of breast cancer. If they have somebody in their family with ovarian, prostate, or breast cancer in their family, uh, their doctor needs to screen screen them, and they need to do their breast uh, their breast checks. And uh, we we just need to have inclusive imagery and uh, gendered language in all the mediums out there to to acknowledge that the disease does exist in men. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad you guys have come on and that we're going to get it out in, a, in a, the best way we can. So, Brett, how can people reach the organization? Uh, best way is, is uh, going to our website, millbreastcancercoalition.org. Through there, uh, you can contact us. My mom's phone number is on there. You can reach out to her. She'll 
pick up immediately. Um, <laughs> and uh, I know we've got everybody's kind of got their own individual Instagram and or Twitter or Facebook and stuff, but Male Breast Cancer Coalition, um, you can find us on, on all well, pretty much all the social media platforms. Um, and all the stories and, and are there. there. You have an incredible uh, array of uh, the picture array with everybody's stories. That's where I went and got um, all of your stories. And, and yes. it's amazing, guys. I, I'm so grateful that you are standing up and speaking up for this. And, and I will do what I can to, uh, to raise awareness with our organizations to get it out there. Uh, Ron, thank you so much for, for speaking up when you and I first had that conversation and for letting me yeah. aware because I, I love to learn things, but I don't like to learn things that you know, through awareness could be fixed and can be helped. And I, looked at my, I look at my boys and I look at my, my brothers, um, even my dad, 91-year-old doctor, he'd never heard of this. And I'm like, Pop, yeah. if we haven't yeah. heard of it, think about you know, the world who hasn't heard of it. So, I try to spread the word, and uh, sometimes uh, when, even when I have workmen here, I'll tell them, hey, have you heard of male breast cancer? And they, they, they never heard of it. So it's all a teachable moment, and I'm glad we had that conversation. Absolutely, and, and, and Pat, thanks so much for our conversation the other day. I'm, I'm sorry about Marlon, um, but so grateful that you're you. You know, spinning around the world in that car and uh, I, get stopped yes, more often. Yes. Well, I, absolutely, and, and Debbie, I just want to add one thing. Um, that, you know, everybody, man, woman, everybody has breast tissue, so therefore, they can get breast cancer, and and something that they need to understand and and not be ashamed of is it is breast cancer. It's not chest cancer. It is breast cancer, and you know we 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 need to change the thinking of our physicians, etc. Um, we need to change our own way of thinking because this is. This is a fact. I mean, you've had you've got five people on this call, and we can all attest to it. Men have breasts too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you do. It's a fact, and uh, and but it uh, again, this is something that I never heard of, and it makes sense. It just makes sense. But I know a lot of women who get breast cancer that don't want to talk about it either, and so right. it's just a matter of of being bold and. Um, it's funny. I, I have a book coming out today. It's called "The Gift of Being," uh, the gift called "Fearless." So sometimes we just need to to be comfortable being uncomfortable, and saying mm-hmm. this is happening, and you know, and realizing that by speaking up, you might be helping that person sitting beside you who's feeling alone. And we've felt Absolutely. that here. I'm sure that you guys, once you found out someone else had it. Now you're not alone, and I love where, you know, I guess it was, who was it, uh, Michael, who said, now he's not embarrassed. Now he's running around, you know, and you probably all felt that way. So thank you guys so much. Um, I, I wish we had more time. I would love to, you know, interview you individually, and maybe we'll do that going forward. Uh, but I appreciate what you're doing, and everybody go to malebreastcancercoalition.org and check out the guys' stories, check out what's going on, and look around your family. You know, you could be saving somebody's life by listening to this show today.
Thanks for being here, and thanks everybody for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know who struggles with the pins and needles and numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfotiamine products at BenfoComplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thanks everyone for being here. Go to my website, thewomanbehindthesmile.com, for additional information and resources. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. The replays of this show will be there, as, as well as all the shows that we've done in the past. Look for my book today, The Gift Called Fearless. A Gift Called Fearless is out on Amazon and Kindle, and uh, we're looking to spread the word about being fearless. So thanks everybody. Have a great day, and guys, I appreciate you being here.